Welcome to Counterpoint, the Counter Narrative Projects podcast. I am your host, Johnny Cornegay, and today I'm joined by uh, Counter Narrative Project Executive Director and Founder Charles Stevens. This show amplifies the voices of Black gay men through conversations with thought leaders, creatives, and activists. You can follow us on Twitter at Building Desire, and you can like us on Facebook at The Counter Narrative. Now, this is our last show for the year, and I am so happy that you could join us. Um, Leviticus Faggot. This is a, a song that was written by Michelle Indegeo Cello from her album Peace Beyond Passion. The album, uh, the, I'm sorry, the album and the song uh, celebrated its 30th, I'm sorry, its 20th anniversary this year. Um, the album came out in 1996 and was produced by David Gamson and was released on uh, the Maverick record label, which actually was founded by Madonna and headed by Guy Ossery. Uh, Michelle was uh, one of the first artists signed to Maverick in the early 90s. She had released an album uh, prior to this, Peace Beyond Passion. And uh, just two years before this release, Peace Beyond Passion, so in 1994, uh, she was riding high. Uh, she had a duet with John Cougar Mellencamp, which hit the top five on the pop charts called Wild Night. And she also appeared as uh, a guest artist on Madonna's hit 1994 album Bedtime Stories. Uh, Leviticus Faggot was the first single from Peace Beyond Passion. And uh, they did a video for it. So the, the single or the song tells the story of a young black gay man uh, dealing with issues of acceptance, stigma, and religion. And the video tackles some of those same topics like really vividly, uh, as well as tackles the issue of suicide. Um, today's conversation will be about this song and the video and how, even though it doesn't get the props it deserves, how it can potentially inspire and influence today's generation. Um, so Charles, I remember when I first heard this song and saw the video, how moved I was. Like I had never heard faggot, like in a non-derogatory way in black music at all. And I certainly hadn't seen uh, a young black gay man be depicted uh, uh, in, with compassion uh, in, a, in, a, in a music video. Like just nobody was doing that at the time. Uh, so I remember being really moved by this music. And, and at that time, so this is 96, I wasn't, um, I was still grappling with issues of sexuality. I wasn't yet, um, I had not said out loud uh, that I was gay. And I remember this song and the video um, giving me some courage. Yeah, it's definitely one of the most important albums. And the video, oh my gosh, is yes. <laughs> such a amazing Absolutely. story mm -hmm. one of the one of the most important videos i think uh particularly as it relates to um grappling with homophobia and the ways in which uh homophobia impacts the lives of of young black uh gay men and mm -hmm. boys um i was also very 
taken by the by the song and by the video. I remember it being really controversial. Yes, uh, <laughs> to say of, the least. I think before the, the video premiered, there are all these disclaimers. Mm-hmm. They um, MTV played it really late, I yeah, think, um, at night or something. It was, uh, you know, and it was, you know, the '90s. Just in that particular period, <laughs> you know, there was always yes. um, this interesting tension between art and expression mm-hmm. and politics and those kinds of things. What I didn't know is that uh, MTV played it, but they actually uh, didn't play the final scene, which depicts the um, oh. the protagonist, I guess, the, the in the video, uh, depicts him committing suicide. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, which MTV left out. Um, but yeah, I, was just, I remember being really taken by the video mm-hmm. and by the music and by the, by the, the, uh, the song itself. Yeah. And I just think it speaks to, to that particular era. It does. And, you know, I think it's important to note that um, at that time, this was um, this was singularly really important. I mean, I can't say enough about the video and the song, quite frankly, and the fact that this was, you know, the first single from that album. And, you know, there was definitely some courage that went into releasing it. I I guess it's important to note that, you know, when we talk about Maverick Records and we talk about Guy Osiri, I mean, this record label, you know, was, of course, founded by Madonna. Madonna. You know, and that definitely, I'm sure, played a part into, you know, this being able to happen yeah. the way that it did. So um, I do think it's an, an, I agree with you. It's incredibly important to the era. Yeah. And in many ways it was, you know, very forward looking. It was very mm-hmm. edgy for the time, obviously yeah. provocative, the content of the song and also the video. Mm-hmm. Um, then like now it was still very unique and mm-hmm. exceptional to see sexual diversity, you know, uh, the representations of sexual diversity, especially uh, with black men in that particular way. Absolutely. Um, and just kind of what it was saying. Um, and it, it just kind of really get into the, the nuts and bolts of the music um, for a bit. Um, one of the things that I was really taken by, and I would love to get your perspective on this, is that, um, you know, in the song, in like the video, you know, Michelle kind of switches back and forth between kind of narrating what's happening and also mm-hmm. taking on the voice of the father, you know, i.e. the faggot part, mm-hmm. um, you know, stop acting like a bitch and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also at times, uh, I, I guess, taking on the voice of the mother, save him from this life and so forth, but doesn't really give voice to the, I guess, the, the, the story that she's telling of the, the, the black gay boy that having these experiences. And I was, wondering what your thoughts were about that particular choice, like narrating from the father's perspective and then from this sort of like over mm-hmm. overarching perspective, but not really, um, not really the, giving the, the, um, yeah. the boy's perspective that's being, yeah. um, that's experiencing homophobia. Artistically, when I think about the work, it is being able to, step back and look at this boy's life. What what I hear her doing is really kind of getting, switching between being in the mind of this young person, but also out loud uh, verbalizing these other characters. Because 
um, what's happening is it's more like what I hear, especially because when the, the you're leading into the hook, it's go, you know, it's his mother would pray. But I saw that as this young, this young man understands that his mother is praying for him. Um, but still, and yet these things keep happening. So, um, I think not speaking in the first person, I thought that the idea of telling it as a story did make it more like a film or more like a, a book that could be written. Um, and it speaks to the fact that so many of us have stories, um, but we don't necessarily have the voice. So someone else has to tell the story. Yeah, but again, I mean, <clears throat> and perhaps had she sort of uh, sang it from the perspective of the of the young boy, um, it would have been a probably it might have been a very different song and so mm-hmm. forth, a very different video. But I thought it was just an interesting choice, and uh, I also thought that I, yeah, and I agree with you about. Um, the sort of cinematic quality of the video. Like, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a video that felt that, um, <laughs> that felt that cinematic in that way, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, visually stunning, uh, very powerful imagery, particularly of the church uh, mm-hmm. sequence. And then she's in the pulpit and she's like kissing the girl at one point, mm-hmm. And that's interesting. <laughs> uh, so she's kind of inserting her queerness into the, into this context. And I think just a really good, and I don't know if they're, I think one of the best examples of juxtaposing, I guess what one might say, sort of religious imagery, um, and at the same time, you know, it's really um, transgressive sexuality at times. I thought that mm-hmm. was really um, powerful. Um, but I was, you know, again, kind of taken back. I mean, just taken mm-hmm. taken by all of that. Another um, another part that I thought was interesting was just the overall story. So. Mm-hmm. You know the the video opens, and I guess here we're talking specifically about the video as much as the mm-hmm. song, because the, the video um, just has all of these elements that um, I think are really interesting to unpack. So it begins right. with uh, the character being caught, right? Mm-hmm. So it tells the story of this 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 young man. I guess he reads as a teenager, still at home, um, and he gets caught by his father um, with you know I guess in an intimate embrace with another with another boy. And then the father's outraged and he sort of grabs the other young man and kind of, kind of like pulls him away. And then the next scene is they're in church, um, as Johnny referenced. And mm-hmm. um, I guess we're sort of witnessing what may be kind of like a fire and brimstone uh, sermon. Mm-hmm. I guess we're allegedly the father's a minister. Um, and then in the following scene, <laughs> we see the character get put out of the yes. house. The father's like grabbing the suitcase and like, throwing it outside this very dramatic scene, like a lot of really powerful images like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I realized I left out uh, a scene. So after the father catches him with the boy um, in his house, it appears, and I, at least my interpretation of it, it looks like the father drops the boy down to um, a place where sex work is happening. <laughs> and it looks like he's trying to summon yeah, and uh, I guess he, uh, the father, is trying to get a a, a a a a woman sex worker to have sex with his son. Yes. <laughs> he says how it's reading, but I guess in that scene, he actually sees the the dude. <laughs> he sees the, the a, a, dude, a male hustler, and it's like kind of making eyes. But 
you see, and it, the, can I just say the the character, the actor in the video? I mean, he's just like he's definitely giving you all of the vulnerability and all of the right. like uh, <laughs> angst uh, that one can imagine. Um, I mean, I think it was. A, I mean, for I, I do consider it definitely a very courageous story to tell mm-hmm. and a song. I mean, you yeah. know, Michelle. I think probably. I mean, of all the. I mean, I don't know if she really gets props for this. I think she's sort of cast in the sort of neo soul uh, context, but I think. She was perhaps probably one of the most um, ambitious artistically, certainly had, I think, one of the most powerful political voices through her mm-hmm. music, but also not sacrificing, you know, any kind of artistic integrity because, I mean, listening to the music, there's this, there's a pleasure in it. I mean, it's re- really well done. I mean, certainly a brilliant, masterful artist, um, which I think comes across even in this song. So, um, I mean, but... You know, there are some, you know, and I mean, anyone that knows me knows that I'm very, you know, I get really annoyed by certain kinds of cliches um, mm-hmm. that shows up in like, I guess, realist and, and uh, I guess what could be called sort of gay hyper-realism. And one of mm-hmm. them is, you know, the, the, the gay suicide, right? I mean, I know it happens, yeah. mm-hmm. obviously, and it's something that's an important issue, but very often in narratives, particularly of, of Black gay boys and men, there's, you know, suicide is seen as like... <laughs> one of the, almost like one of the tropes of like right. the narrative is like suicide happens, you know? And mm-hmm. I just, um, but what I found interesting about this, and I guess I'm kind of jumping around in the sequence of events in the video. What's interesting. And this is, I, I think a really, really well done uh, artistic choice is that. So the final scene, you know, we see the character, he commits suicide. He cuts his, uh, so like I see slits his wrist in a bathroom mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and falls to the ground. But then, as he falls, and I guess we're to believe he's, um, you know, uh, committed suicide. Then Michelle and Cello kind of, uh, it's almost like she she gets back up. So it's almost Correct. like she becomes him. So it's just really, she, right. so she, you know, she comes, she comes, she stands up. So it's this interesting. Like I said, it was this very, um, yeah, it's kind of an artsy video. Yes. <laughs> so it's really doing some interesting stuff. Not only was it courageous, and you're absolutely right. Like. Um, that is one of the tropes. We do see kind of the idea of the, the suicide being depicted. Um, a great, we've, we've seen that, that story a lot. But I will say that in 1996, though, um, even though we're familiar with that now, I think in 1996, that it was something that, especially if you, if you kind of grew up on uh, just kind of urban music and were familiar with urban videos, this storytelling, well, there's two things I want to talk about because the storytelling that was happening in the video was, was, was one thing. And then there was the song, but then kind of how the song was wrapped. So the song was the first single off the album in 1996, um, we were moving musically into this kind of heavily sampled um, method of R&B music where, you know, it was kind of after Mary J. Blige's My Life record and, you know, um, uh, Bad Boy and Puff Daddy were kind of emerging as... Um, you know, heavy hitters in terms of how the music sounded. So everything at that point was becoming this very heavily sampled throwback music, whereas Michelle um, was releasing this um, really funky, really um, 
uh, you know, it was instrumentation, it was produced, um, and putting that in the urban landscape at that point was um, really unique because if we rewind to her first record, where you're absolutely right, you mentioned this, where she kind of gets lumped into that neo-soul category is coming off of the first record where you have Dreadlock, which was this, you know, very... Um, Powerful, but kind of a more traditional soul rec- uh, R&B song. This dove, this took you not only thematically in a direction where songs uh, weren't going at the point, but it also took you there musically because she went more into instrumentation and funk. But even and even when she, but even when she, I kind of wonder, like even when she um, sort of, like so, you know, she has a cover of the Bill Withers song on this album, "Who Is He and yes. What Is He to You." Uh-huh. Um, so she is also kind of doing that a little bit, too, with, like, referencing yep. soul music and, and all that. Mm-hmm. But, of course, with her singing it, it also takes on a, a more subversive, yes. a different <laughs> kind of... So she not only, like, advances it the way that some of the other neo-soul artists would sing these, like, soul songs and kind of... You know, she 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 takes it and, like, spins it and subverts mm-hmm. it and does something completely different with it just by virtue of, you know, her her amazing sexual worldview mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that, I, that, yeah. I, and I, that I just can't, I, I don't think can be uh, stated enough. And, you know, like, but back to the, the suicide thing, like, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like one of my things. It's like, I, I just think that it's, um, I am, I, I absolutely think that uh, suicide must be something that's discussed and represented mm-hmm. and talked about in the context of art because it's something that happens. Again, I just worry sometimes that that just becomes the over like that that just becomes like the the <laughs> one of only three possibilities right. that 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 we see. But I will say I think in in the context of Leviticus Bandit, she actually transcends. So it doesn't feel cliche in the sense that I think she transcends it because it's so. I think because of some of the other artistic choices that she's making and in the storytelling and the visual narrative and how, um, and also just, again, taking on the voice of the homophobic father. So even yes. just querying that, um, I think was just, uh, kind of does something different with it than you normally. And it, and also, um, the video avoids being sentimental. I mean, even though it's dealing yeah. with some very, uh, charged stuff, um, and again, this is also 20 years ago, so just putting it in that context. Mm-hmm. But even like looking at it now in 2016, almost 2017, it still doesn't really read as sentimental. Um, it mm-hmm. still is very, um, and I think it has everything to do with just the power of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, her voice, certainly, um, the arrangement of the music, <laughs> the symbolism in the video, like how the sort of visual choices that's being made. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing I think, too, as as I was preparing for our conversation, and I, I didn't know this at the time because, you know, Michelle was like, yo, I, w- I was definitely always going to get the Michelle record, right? But what I didn't realize at the time was your kind of, um, I would say, mainstream uh, uh, kind of pop publications. So Entertainment Weekly um, essentially they have to see minus they pan the record and they're talking about like Leviticus faggot is, you know, uh, you know, kind of heavy handed, et cetera, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but you, but conversely, right. 
um, there were your more musical publications that, you know, highly reviewed this record. <laughs> it's like, no, this is well, like a great know, I was looking at the Rolling Stone, uh, <laughs> the Rolling Stone uh, uh-huh. feature on it. What is it? Black and Blue? And yeah. I was disappointed that the writer didn't talk more about the song, like this particular song. Um, it just seemed, mm-hmm. and I think part of it is that they folks probably just didn't know what, you know, I think even like in 1996, not unlike 2016, I think people still don't quite know what to do. Well, I, I think that's changing with Moonlight. Um, yes. I think the writing about that film has actually been pretty good. But, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, people just kind of didn't know what to do with what they were seeing. So they just yes. kind of either dismissed it or they just kind of like, oh, that's nice and, and didn't really engage it critically. Right. And, you know, and also at that um at that time, this was also, um, this is where we start to get into, um, you know, anti, anti-HIV stigma as it relates to um, uh, homosexual, as it relates to, to the black gay experience. Because you have to remember in 1996 as well, um, there was there was so many things happening because that same year um, was the year that uh, Red Hot released its um, only the only one I've ever seen, um, rap record, but it was specifically dealing with, um, you know, as, as kind of HIV awareness. Um, so there was this really interesting, I think, political moment that was happening in 1996, um, that allowed that to happen as well as allowed this song to, um, be able to be released as well. But I Um, I think one of the the testament is that the the song hasn't traveled well, I don't think, in mm-hmm. terms of its cultural impact. I mean, I'm surprised that there wasn't more, there hasn't been more uh, critical consideration for this song because it's such an important album, it's such an important song. You know, Michelle Indigo Cello, you know, who recently created the James Baldwin right. uh, show, you know, mm-hmm. like, is in this moment, but, like, there's no, and, I, and I, there's and no sugar. Leviticus Faggot. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's just so much happening. So it's just, it's disappointing to me that this video, this song just kind of didn't really, it didn't really carry the same kind of cultural um, mm-hmm. currency that some other, some other works. I think there were some other albums this year that I can't think of off the top of my head that did get some attention for being mm-hmm. um, like, commem- like people commemorating them. And I think that, you know, Peace Beyond Passion is you know, should absolutely, I mean, again, it was like probably one of the most important videos ever, yes. ever right? Ever, um, ever. And mm-hmm. this played on this one. <laughs> this is a, well, like, B- like, BET like, wouldn't pay it. BET B- wouldn't play it. But no, BET was the, right. BET was not having it. Maybe they said absolutely not. They said they had an issue with the word faggot, which, I kind of wonder, I want to almost go back and see if they were letting that word slide in, in, in certain other, like, mm. I, don't, you know, I don't know if they were letting that word slide in other contexts. You know, that um, would be an inter- that would be an interesting, um, that would be interesting to research because I'm, I, I, who knows? Like, was um, it being censored? But that was the, mm-hmm. allegedly the, the reason that they, did, they objected to the, the use of the word faggot. Mm. Of course, Michelle disagreed. Right, (laughs) but I'm not doing it. Um, Because you know, I mean, and and part of it is like you know, this is the kind of video, this is the kind of story that could that could have saved lives, right? Like people being able to see, you know, the consequences of homophobia 
in the mm-hmm. lives of black gay boys and, and young men and, and how it, you know, is a part of this larger system of structural violence. And I think that, right. again, I mean, one of the, my, you know, hats off to Michelle just for having the courage to tell this story. Um, exactly. For being just an artist that's just, that just doesn't, that's just not, that's like not afraid. Right. Um, you know, because she could have gone a completely, a far more assimilationist, uh, she could have gone a far more assimilationist path. And probably, yes. and, 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 you know, but she chose not to do that. She chose to to be just a, 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 an artist in the purest sense and just being about, but using her platform in the, with the integrity and mm-hmm. that just can't be said enough. Absolutely. And and one of the things, and, and I haven't seen this, and this is something, um, I'm glad we are having this conversation because I agree wholeheartedly that um, this video, like I said at, at the top when we were starting, like I had never quite seen anything like it. I just hadn't. Yeah. And um, yeah. it gave me courage. I didn't know it, of course, at the time. Now, I will say that, of course, I understand now the importance of peace beyond passion in my life um, yeah. artistically. But, you know, at the time, I I just knew that it was going to be okay if someone could make this music and um, and, and, and it'd be public <laughs> and not hidden um, because this video and the song, they were not hidden. Um, and, and me, yeah, you know, I remember, and it's so funny because I remember I was actually in high school when this came out. I was, ah, yeah. you know, I kind of imagined myself as being probably the age of the, the character in the video. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, I, like I said, I absolutely, me and my, and me and my friends talked about it. I mean, we kind of made fun of it. Like, I, I think we also kind of <laughs> didn't know what to do because we didn't have the language, but I made right. fun of it in the sense of like mocking it, but just more like, I think that for us, queerness was still very it was very new it was still Mm -hmm. very mysterious it was still Mm -hmm. very like we hadn't yet developed the language to to kind of figure out how to navigate any of it (laughs) you know it's like we had feelings and we had um sensibilities and we had a lot we're curious about a lot of stuff but we just we hadn't developed this really because this is also um, you know, particularly for me, like a completely no political analysis around sexuality at this point mm-hmm. um, whatsoever. And so, but you have this very political kind of video coming at us. So we really didn't know what to do with it. Um, but we <laughs> knew what Leviticus meant and we knew what right. Baggage meant. <laughs> and we knew what, and we also was very aware of, because, you know, and I, we talk about this a lot at Counter Narrative, but part of the experience of black gay boys in the society and black gay men largely too is this, you know, especially, but again, for young black gay boys, you know, it's like you're surveilled constantly. Absolutely. And you're surveilled, you're watched, you know, and you're punished and rewarded based on your assimilation to masculinity, traditional notions yes. of masculinity. And when you step outside that box, you know, you're punished in varying yes. ways. And I think this, and the song kind of speaks to that too. I mean, she was, I think, in many ways anticipating, um, the current language we use around toxic masculinity mm-hmm. um, in the yes. song, she's like anticipating it in many ways, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, you're constantly surveilled, you're constantly watched and, and you don't even know it. Right. right. Until like you step out of line and then you're, you know, promptly put it back in place. Now, some of us choose to continually defy, you know, these notions of masculinity. Some of us choose to 
try to assimilate as best as we can. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, and there are those of us that just try to, um, you know, we, uh, you know, some days we try to assimilate and some days we try to uh, defy it, you know, mm-hmm. however. So um, the, the point I'm getting at is I think this kind of gets at, you know, being watched, being observed, like what that means. And just being mm-hmm. in the sort of almost fishbowl that you live in in your life. <laughs> Right. Where you have these adults that are trying to impose these these values on you, and particularly, through, I mean, through, through in families, in religious settings, in schools, like it's a constant. Um, you're constantly having these, and I, I certainly remember that. Like I certainly remember, you know, from peers, from people around me, these these notions of manhood and masculinity, and just um, being really abused by it, um, yes. and and just. And just what and what the, and how it how how your value as a person as a human being is completely connected to your ability to assimilate, yes. And you know and and how the rewards are just you know um, sort of allocated to you based on that. So it was, um, and I think that these stories are so important, just to kind of have that conversation. I agree, and you are absolutely right. And I think that. You know, one of the things that plays into, right, the experience of people uh, receiving the song as well is, so when we step outside of kind of traditional um, notions of masculinity and femininity, so when we put an artist like a Michelle who represents in her own way into this space, it, do, it, it, it has an impact in terms of people have to, people make choices about how, about what to listen to and how to listen. And so often people make those choices about what they see. And another thing I think that uh, Michelle uh, kind of was at the forefront of is challenging these notions of what uh, women in black women in music at that time in 1996, because this is also the era of Little Kim and Foxy Brown that were emerging at that time. And Michelle challenged that um, in terms of what black women can be. Now, of course, over the years, there have always been black women who have, you know, challenged these traditional notions. But I think in terms of modern, when I think about that time and space and where we were, we were definitely in a, in a space where your, your, your views on, in terms of what black femininity were, were more closely tied to a Lil' Kim or a Foxy Brown. And a Michelle kind of stepped outside of that. Yeah, or the other end, you have Lauren Hill and India Ari and uh, mm-hmm. Erica Badu, and they're sort of on the other end of the. So you could be either this or that. Not, you know, mm-hmm. there's always these binaries that, you know, and I, yeah, and she, I think, uh, just exploded it. You know, yeah. she was, you know, she uh, carved out this lane, and you know, and she would say, I mean, her interviews, she talks about how people tried to make her out to be the sort of angry blackie artist. And she even right. defied that. Like she wasn't interested right. in that either. Nope. But I mean, that's like the constant struggle of artists, like being defined, trying to be, you know, pe- people try to define you so that way they can market and sell you better. Right. Absolutely. Um, and her just not, her just not having it. Um, and just being the, the ability for her to just kind of create herself in the way that she feels best represents uh, her voice and, and her sensibility. Absolutely. And, and, you know, further, you know, into, so when we come out of um, Peace Beyond Passion, um, (laughs) interestingly enough, we move into what's called the bitter era. 
And I think that Fool of Me might be her biggest hit because I think it appeared on the Love and Basketball soundtrack. But when we get into the era of Bitter, she further, you know, moved into this direction that was for 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 black music was so incredibly important and i think when i when i think back to leviticus faggot and what that represented for me i i would i would ask her if i were to ever talk to her what did that do for her creatively to actually do that video and do that song? Because I would imagine that it probably freed her up to then do all of the amazing work that she did after that, because her catalog continued to get more and more interesting after this record. But you know, that was also the era, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is way more your realm than mine, but... I forgot, when I think of the 90s, even up through the early 2000s, that was kind of like the, the era of the like big mo- the big uh, music video directors. Yes. So it's like, you know, Billy yep. Woodruff and Hype Williams, yep. like these, like, you know, yep. the names. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure there are many, many others. And I'm like, in, in, I don't think that that's not, well, music videos aren't a thing anymore, first of all. They should be. So it's not like, any, remember like in the 90s, a music, a music video it was, was an, like event. an event. Now it is not <laughs> like, an event. <laughs> It's not an event. It's like, I mean, it's like, a, you know, somebody right. rapping against the green, green you know, screen. Like a green screen in the back where they put stuff or, you know, and I kind of, I kind of miss that. Cause I mean, music videos were like, it was like a work right. of art. And that's, and that's what this yeah, is exactly. kind of getting at, right? The music video itself is like a work of art. Um, and you know, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw a music video. Um, I mean, you know, Beyonce has her visual, uh-huh. Her, what do you call them? Video, music video. Uh, the, the the visual the, albums. The video store. Visual yeah. albums. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so we have visual albums. Um, but like I just and she and she certainly uh, you know has had that and Rihanna. Right. So like the top 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 artists have these have done these amazing things. But other than, and even then it's like how they. It's not just a single video. It's like I, I have to do like a whole production. Correct. You know, but it's not like. And I just kind of, what am I getting at? I, I, I kind of miss that period where like, you know, you were looking forward to the next yeah. video. And I don't know if that's the case it's anymore. It's definitely not the case anymore. And I think when we put up these this idea of music video as important to social, to activism, this video is yeah. incredibly unique in the realm, especially when we're talking about um, uh when we're talking about like the black gay community, um, this video stands, I can't name another video that would be as important. Maybe you can, I can't think of one. I just can't. To black gay, to yeah. black gay people, black gay men? Yeah, to black gay men. Oh, well nothing that was, I mean, not, not anything that's like black gay specific, yeah. I mean, you know, for right. their videos, but I mean, I, you know, for me, you know, I. It, it, Okay, you know, you know how I feel about right. Madonna, but um, like, I, like, yeah, she. It doesn't surprise me that uh, Michelle was like a right. little me. I'll just say, just in terms of like Madonna's vision and contribution to mm-hmm. pop and so forth. Um, but yeah, wow, yeah, this was kind of the thing, and there just hasn't been. But I think it also just speaks to the state of music now and what it means to be an artist now. Just like, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, I think, I, I don't think it's at all stretched to say that, you know, this kind of song, this video wouldn't be possible now. 
like it just wouldn't it, it just especially by a major label like it just wouldn't no happen. i don't know it, um, it, it wouldn't and there's just something about the mm-hmm. 90s that just made these kinds of things possible yep. and um that's why i think it is and i'm so grateful um that we have this platform and we're able to have discussions like this to talk about record to talk about important contributions like this because this is one of those things that is important and we just can't forget and more and more of us need to see it and celebrate it and uh I'm grateful for Michelle um and Kevin Bray and Madonna and Guy Osiri for saying go forth and do um because uh, this made for um, an important entry I know into my life. So I'm. For, for, Do we know if she wrote the song? Oh, she definitely wrote the song. Yes, I know that's right. Yeah, so she wrote this song. It was actually produced by David Gamson, who my favorite David Gamson stuff um, is. Uh, yeah, he um, he worked with her for for a minute, actually on several records. But he also did some really cool Shaka Khan stuff. Um, that I really love. So, um, yeah, but uh, David was uh, kind of an early uh, Michelle collaborator. So Leviticus Faggot uh, is, uh, you can still buy it. You can still buy Peace Beyond Passion. It is still in print. I bought, I bought, <laughs> I bought, I bought Peace Beyond Passion a few months. Because when we first started talking about doing this podcast, uh-huh. I was like, I need to listen to it again. And I was like, oh my God, it still, it still holds, holds up. up. Like, the music is still... Like, you know, there's some music uh, you listen to now. You're like, what? No, I cannot believe I like this that. But this holds up. Holds up so Every much. song on that record. When you talk about free my heart so my soul can fly, free my mind from these worldly wants and desires, I look towards first heaven with all, my arms open wide. All, get <laughs> can we talk about how literary, yes. <laughs> how literary her sensibility is as a music, musician? Like, you know, a lot of times you think about, you know, musicians, they, you know, performers, performers don't always get the, um, how shall I say, they're not always verbally gifted, necessarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they don't always have the, but there's just something very, you know, I, I think they sometimes operate more in the visual realm or sometimes just purely music. But, like I mean, there's just like a literary sensibility to her, to how she, I mean, the, the stuff that yes. she comes up with, like her, the lyrics, I mean, the lyrics itself is like a yes. piece. It can really stand yes. alone. I mean, you could. I mean, you could almost like just read her lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, of course, the music is amazing and beautiful too, um, truly. But like just the, the lyrics and the 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 genius of how she puts words mm-hmm. together. I mean, absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. Um, it, but yeah, I so remember. Yeah. No, I, I'm 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 agreeing. And and at the point I remember writing, I did a review. Um, so this is back in the day. I think this is my OK Player days. Um, back in the day, I would uh-huh. do these like reviews of stuff. And I remember um, writing specifically about she was making music at the... She was making music that um, that was like the music that Prince was making like the decade before her. She was mm-hmm. making that music at yeah. that point. And I remember being so moved by that. Uh-huh. 
You know, because it blended this this idea of um, spirituality, sexuality, and social commentary, mm. and you know that was kind of you know Prince's lane. You know, and and when we took a, when I thought of black artists, see, I can see you. She was giving me. She was giving me Marvin. It was yeah. very. That's it was very, very. It was all of that, right? Because you know, even with you know, they were all weaved yeah. in. Because you know, Prince had that coming from Marvin as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it was very much that, and uh-huh. there are these so in terms of songwriting and being able to create these stories that you can visually see with as you're listening to this music I knew because there's a song on there called um, I think it's Deuteronomy nigger man and I knew what this guy looked like yeah that was another one that people yeah (laughs) I knew what that brother looked like based on what she was saying she was like, let me just use all the slurs. Like, I'm going to, like, write a song with all the slurs in it just to, just to get you to pay attention. But what I also appreciate about Michelle, like, she doesn't, I think it's, I mean, and she's not just being provocative for the sake of being provocative. Like, there's, her provocation always corresponds to the weight of the music Absolutely. itself. So I think it's always very proportional. Like, sometimes people, some artists use, um, and I ain't calling no names, but it's like, I think there's a temptation to be provocative yes. for the So like, let me just say something really crazy just to get your attention. But then you like, you like, and it's like, oh, this is like, I mean, I mean, great title, but like, I don't see why. Right. <laughs> you know, with Michelle, it's like, it's a, it's a I piece, get this. you know? I get this. Yes. I agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Um, yes. So you could buy it. You could buy, you it, on buy it on Amazon. Amazon. You could buy the, Go ahead and buy it. You can stream um, if you have Spotify. So once again, thank you everyone for checking in on today's show. Once again, you can follow us on Twitter at Building Desire and you can find us everywhere um, at The Counter Narrative. Um, And that is the end of our show. Thank you, Charles. And our last podcast for 2016. Yes, is our last podcast for 2016. Our last podcast for 2016. Lord, I'm already in 17. No, we're in 2016. We will see everybody next year. We'll, we'll talk to everybody next year.